0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Sunday, August the 15th, 2021. My name is Stephen Carnegie, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, miscible, which means capable of being mixed in any ratio without separation of two phases. Missable. I hope everyone is enjoying their Sunday or will enjoy their Sunday, I should say. And as always, it's been a while since I was able to come to you guys on Sunday. This is the day which the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hope everyone enjoys that day. Uh, Here in North Carolina, we're getting some rain getting rid of, of those high temperatures those feels likes of uh, 105 and 106 107 and all of last week with well, the past couple of weeks really we've been having those high temperatures or those high heat index numbers so we're getting some rain uh, man much needed I got to tell you it's much needed feels good too I went out yesterday evening when it came out. I was at work. I went out and I got a little bit of rain. Most people say, I go out and get a little bit of sun. Hey, after this past couple past couple of weeks we've been having, I went out and got me a little bit of rain. I needed it. I needed it. Uh, so I hope everyone, uh, you know, hey, will enjoy their sel- themselves this Sunday as we prepare to go back to work. For some of us anyway hope everyone enjoys this Sunday. All right, let's go get it. Looks like, man, Afghanistan didn't take long, did it? (laughs) Because uh, they are having problems. The capital city of uh, Kabul has been taken over by the Taliban. Taliban pretty much has captured that whole country. As as they told you, they told you, hey, when the U.S. starts withdrawing, we're going to take our country back. So much so, the president of uh, Afghanistan has fled the country. Now they, the, the, the Taliban was supposed to come in this uh, today, actually, and, and they said they wanted to have a sit down to to for a turnover of of the the city of Kabul. And and well said, "Might as well say a turnover of the whole country." And the president fled; he left the country. He said, "No way." Can't blame him. I, I think he knew how that sit sit down with the Taliban was going to go, and it wasn't going to end well from for him. So he left. Can't blame him. I can't blame him at all. Now, the uh, President Biden is, of course, sending troops over to help with uh, the withdrawal of the U.S. embassy, to which he said, "If any anything happens to anyone in that embassy, that the Taliban will be met with swift and harsh punishment." Wow. Yeah, it's gotten that bad that quick. It, it it really has, you know. With 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 what's going on there, like I said, you, you had to, you knew this was coming by by by. I mean the 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 withdrawal of U.S. troops there, and the Taliban told you what they were going to do, no matter what. Yeah, this is the end result or this is the beginning of the the resurgence, as they say, of the Taliban, because they are back, and they they're coming in and they're not missing a beat. So pray for Afghanistan, man, just pray for them. They need it. The citizens of of Afghanistan, they're in. um, They. A lot of them have fled to those border countries trying to get out of the country. Also, another thing that came up is those that worked at the embassy, just like here. You know, uh, uh, I told you guys a month or so ago, they were saying that the interpreters that they were giving them visas to come to the United States. And there's still apparently there's still some left over there that helped the U.S. and the allied forces. And they're saying, hey, we need help. Also, it's a humanitarian crisis on so many different levels. It just is. So pray, pray for Afghanistan and, and those people there, because they are um, indeed going through it. All right, let's move along here, um, man. Haiti, wow. Haiti yesterday um, found itself in a, in a, a seven point two magnitude earthquake, and and this was what they're saying is the. The the largest earthquake since um, 2010, I believe it was. And it was 7.0 magnitude earthquake back then. So yesterday's was a 7.2. Now, the the one in, um, wow, the one in 2010, there were over 100,000 dead but they can't, they're saying that they don't have the numbers for, from yesterday's earthquake and they're expecting those numbers to be high. Also, the reason being is because where that earthquake struck, it was in a, a I guess what we would call here, a rural part of the country. And what they're saying is a lot of those, cause it, it struck about eight something in the morning. And what they're saying is a lot of those structures, they're, they're not built sturdy. So they are vulnerable to uh. Violent shakes from an earthquake. The same thing that happened in 2010, pretty much. Uh, They're also saying they're in fear of uh, landslides. It is an island. The ground has shaken. You know, uh, a few months ago, you had this, uh, a month ago, I should say. A month or so ago, you had the assassination of the president. Now you have a 7.2 magnitude earthquake. And as a result of that earthquake, they're saying that the aftermath is, of course, the aftermath, of course, is going to be landslides. And also they issued a tsunami warning yesterday for possible three to 10 foot waves. I don't think that ever happened. But of course, after after an earthquake, if you're along that coastline, those tsunamis um, can happen, can appear. And as if all of that wasn't enough, you got Tropical Storm Grace that is coming up on you also. So there goes those landslides. That Tropical Storm Grace is expected to bring heavy rains and heavy winds. Man, prayer for Haiti. They just can't get out of the line of fire. You have an assassination of your president, your political structure is... Being ripped to shreds, and and then you have a natural disaster of this magnitude, with quite possibly another tropicals and a, a tropicals not quite possibly that tropical storm is pass is going to pass if it hasn't already or started to pass right over Haiti. All of this within one or two months, man. You know, I I was um told very early on in life this saying and I think I I find myself oftentimes in my dealings day to day, I find myself referring back to this because this is what keeps me humble, what keeps me calm when when everything, it seems like everything around me is falling apart. I was raised under the mantra, if you will, of, of you think you're going through it, but there's always someone that has it worse off than you. So stay humble and and thank the Lord because he's blessed you. And and that rings true today more than anything when I think about it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we have a lot going on here in the United States right now, but we don't have this. We do have some natural disasters with those wildfires out on the West Coast. And, and that is just tearing up it's just ravishing that whole western part of the United States from what from Washington State down to California going into uh, I believe certain parts of Nevada or, or whatever or what have you yeah those wildfires they're still going on but in comparison to, to Haiti and, and Afghanistan it, it's not that bad it's bad Now I'm not downplaying it but it's just not that bad I mean, like I said, Haiti, the, the past month and a half to two months or three months, they've been going through it. The president's been assassinated. Hit squad, a Colombian hit squad came and, and, and took them out. Then you have this a 7.2 magnitude earthquake. And you had tsunami warnings. And now you have a tropical storm coming on you, also. Pray. Pray. Pray for Haiti and Afghanistan. Pray for everyone. I think we all need to stop and just pray. Because I can tell you, just like uh, before, uh, Haiti's going to need help. They just are. Now some may be saying, well, they always need help. Yeah, they always need help. They are the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Even though they have a lot of uh, uh, natural resources with the metals, copper or, or copper and some more things. Um, they are the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So we are—we uh, know they're going to need help. They just are. So pray for Haiti and Afghanistan. I mean, look at what's going on in Afghanistan. Taliban's came back and, and taking the whole country over. Wow. Just pray. Just pray. All right. Let's move along here. I wanted to talk to you guys this morning about um I, I've spoken about it in the past and I'm I, I'm gonna try to remain calm because I'm still trying to figure out what's the great debate because the excuses that I've heard or read are just I don't know sounds like grown people just um not taking into account the safety and well-being of kids but their own political party or their own social, issue whether it be with friends or family it looks like they're looking out for that as opposed to what they're really and truthfully supposed to be looking out for the kids and that's uh, uh, North Carolina Senate Bill 35 and House Bill 41 that's your uh, North Carolina uh, what what it is is two bills are coming up up. Um, they're trying to outlaw and get rid of this marriage license which allows under North Carolina law for 14 or 15 year olds they can become married if they become pregnant. So at 14 or 15 years old, if you become pregnant, yeah, you can marry. And 16 or 17-year-olds can marry with the parent's permission. Now, what this, and and, and when I, I tell this story, because uh, a face has been put behind this bill here uh, of a woman who's, I mean, let's just be honest, she's a victim. She's a victim of, of underage marriage and this North Carolina law. Because with this North Carolina law, with North Carolina and Alaska are the only states that allow for underage marriage. And one thing, and there's so many things that came out while I was I was reading this article or reading these articles that I just didn't think about. One of the things that came out, like I said, there's so many. One of the things that came out, what there with this law being on the books and you being able to marry as young as 14 or as old as 17, North Carolina has became a destination for child trafficking. So apparently, I mean, it makes sense. If you got this law on the book, you in Alaska, I don't think too many people are going to go to Alaska to get married. But if you got this law on the books and and, and you got these people that, that do this child trafficking thing and somehow, some way they get in their minds, they want to legalize it, they can come to North Carolina and get married. Wow. That's, that's, it is what it is. Now, this, this woman, she's, um, I believe they said she was 40, by the way. She got married when she was 15 and her boyfriend was 17. They were in high school. And of course we all know fooling around. She got pregnant. Now being from uh, Eden, North Carolina, you know, that's the country or rural part of, of the state. Those old Southern traditions of uh, once you get a girl pregnant, you're going to do what's honorable. It's pretty much said, of course, she had a shotgun wedding. Her mother signed the marriage certificate, marriage license, and she was pregnant. I mean, she was married. She was married at 15. 15 years old, she was married. And, and here's another thing that that came out. Like I said, there's so many levels to this marriage law that I just didn't realize. By her mother signing uh, the marriage license, it made her emancipated. And emancipated is when juveniles can, they can take on the distinction or whatever, what have you, of being an adult. That's not, no. There's no way to where you could convince me that at 15, her being 15, and, and let's not forget about the male who was 17 know anything at all about being an adult. They just don't, there's no way, no way in the world you can convince me no way, no how you can convince me that a 17 year old can take on the responsibility of being a man, um, or being a providing adult because with that emancipation, uh, yeah, she was considered an adult, but you got to keep in mind she was still young. He was 17. So if he marries her, pardon my French, but he's the man of the house. He he takes on the responsibility of providing. Now, if if you're like me and, and we've we've been around a while, we know that not everyone can handle that adult responsibility. At some point in time, um that's where where, where you lack. The knowledge, or your young-minded, the that let's just say that machismo thing kicked in, because what she's telling, and what so many others that are uh, that were in this underage marriage thing, she's saying that the domestic abuse started, and with that domestic abuse, it, it just wasn't the physical; it was more the mental. Because like I said, once she was emancipated and he took on the responsibility or so legal responsibility of being the provider, he controlled everything. He controlled her money. Pretty much she had an allowance and that was just to go buy food for the house or whatever. He controlled her schooling. He controlled her social life because, you know, hey, where are you going? Who are you going with? Who you hanging out with? And once he found out she was hanging out, of course, with people at school, he stopped her from going to school. She did go back and graduate, by the way. But, it, it, you know, her time, she was in and out or whatever. But she it did eventually go back and, and graduate from high school. But the, that's, that's an emotional abuse to think that you have someone that you're, you're supposed to be married to that is controlling your life, treating you like you're a child. You, you became his child. And that sounds like what that emancipation thing is to me uh, uh, in this instance with, as it relates to this marriage. Because that's, that's another underlying issue and a minute point that that hasn't really been thought about or explained. Like I said, once the mother signed that that um, marriage license, she pretty much signed her daughter over to him like she was a child. I guess that's the, like I said, the, that minute point that's not discussed. Might not, might not be what it was meant for, but socially, that's certainly what it is, and that's what she found out. Like I said, he controlled her money, told her uh, when it, you know, controlled where she could go, who she could hang out with. That's, oh man, that's 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 just heartbreaking. That is, I mean, that that just is that's that's astonishing, but that's that side of that now. And, and this is where I, I have a problem with the whole thing of this underage marriage. How anyone, because well, if I can just take a side note here, what they're they're talking about her, but let's talk about the male here. How are you going to provide at 17 years old? Where are you going to work? What's your mindset? You're still a child yourself, just like her. So you have two kids that are legally married, and one's trying to be the, the adult a provider. Playing house, like they used to say. So the pressure and stress starts that domestic abuse. And I'm sure somewhere, somehow, somebody told him, hey, as a man, you got to control your woman. So that's where that control of that money and her social and school came into play. That's that mental side of domestic violence. It's not always just jumping up, pounding on someone. I think the mental side of domestic violence probably is worse than that physical if i could say the physical you, you you eventually you heal up but the mental stays in you because you're always thinking that what they say and how they treat you it, it just is now she says that the domestic abuse continue for years so much so to the point that at one point in time, she would leave. And just like with most domestic violence cases, she would leave and then come back. Her parents went, her parents had moved to uh, another state. I think they moved to Virginia. So she, one night, one, one, da- one time, in one instance, she went and moved, stayed with them. And of course, you know, she, like I said, he would come and find her and threaten. And she eventually went back. But when the the family, her family finally realized what was going on because she wasn't telling people. Of course, that's another side of domestic violence. By the time, the victim doesn't tell people what is going on. So when the family found out what was going on, they encouraged her to leave him. Now, while she was going through this, they have eight kids, by the way. and, And while she was going through this with him, she was, of course, readying herself to leave. So she was going around town. She ended up when 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 she finally made her mind up, she had been going to the library looking for domestic violence shelters because when she moved, when when, when she left one night and, and went to where her parents were, she couldn't find any help in that state because she wasn't a resident of that state. At that time, I don't know how that works now, but at that time she couldn't find any help because she wasn't a resident of that state. So, of course, she returned to North Carolina. But she returned to North Carolina with a plan because when she was able to get out, she would go to the library and look up domestic abuse shelters. She would gather. She was gathering all the pamphlets that were telling her what to do and how to do it because she was gathering all the paperwork, the necessary paperwork for her and her kids, the birth certificates, the Social Security cards. So much so she gave them to her mother because she knew she was going to leave. And her mother in turn gave her a, a, a private cell phone for her to call for emergencies. Like I said, he would follow her. I, I'm still trying to figure out, but well, I guess this, this is that North Carolina law when you marry this young. And this is why I say, I don't know what these politicians are thinking about. Because like I said, she would flee. And he somehow would threaten her and she would come back. But when she finally did flee, he went and filed a domestic abuse order against her. To it, he received temporary custody of all the kids. I guess that was supposed to make her come back. So they're still in court now. Uh, I think they said the youngest child was nine and she had, uh, the oldest was in in their 20s. So she's in court now. Apparently he's still fighting for custody. Wow. That is just, I mean, like I said, I, I, like I told you at the beginning, this thing has so many levels that I honestly didn't think of. So you're beating on this woman. She flees. And somehow, way, under North Carolina law, because he's the provider, I guess he had a stable job, home, or whatever, and she was, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, he received temporary custody. Of the kids, left her out there. I guess that was to make her look and seem like an unfit mother. That's just a—it's astonishing to me. I'm sorry, it, it just is. I never, never thought anything like that. But you know, hey. <laughs> now, this let's let's talk about these uh, lawmakers because the excuses they gave. I was just like, what in the world? What foolishness? Will really? y'all, y'all are that, that just this blatant about it? Here it goes. Because one lawmaker said that uh, he supports the bill, but at the same time, he can't sign it because he knows family members that have married underage, and he, I guess he doesn't want to uh, uh, upset them. Then there was one time I read there was one lawmaker that bought up abortion saying that, you know, with with this, that the the abortion rate would somehow there would be another cause for abortion abortion to be to uh, allow abortion because when they get in these marriages and it doesn't work out somehow, some way the female uh, goes and aborts the baby. So there's your abortion numbers rising again. Uh, gee, maybe <sighs> just wow And that was, that's why I say these these adults they're not thinking about these children. They're thinking about their, themselves, other adults or family and friends or some political cause with this abortion thing. Just really you have someone telling you they're being pounded on that they have kids involved because you're not thinking about the kids either, the offsprings of these people. And what they see and endure. It's like a continuous cycle of of domestic violence. Because a lot of times those we now know, those that experience or are are participants in domestic violence, they, they saw it when they were growing up. So you're not thinking about those kids either. With the possible passage of this law, which is a long overdue, Long time coming. Those politicians that are saying, no, the law, we can't sign that law. What are y'all thinking? How are y'all sleeping at night to say that you're not going to sign a law that totally does away with underage marriage that spawns off into domestic violence, physical and mental, controlling someone's life, makes North Carolina a child trafficking destination. And this is known because also um North Carolina is, is a, a, a what they call it, a, a sex trade hub also just is because of the two interstates that run through North Carolina, 85 and 95. So what you're saying is with all of that, you're still not approving the bill because, or you can't endorse the bill totally because you got family members that were married age and you're saying they had successful marriages. Yeah, there may be some successful marriages that with this underage marriage that works. And also you're worried about the abortion rate. Is that what I'm understanding? Still not grasping that that abortion rate thing. You know, I'm not an advocate for abortion. But if you're in an underage marriage and someone, another kid, because these 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 were kids. That's all they were. If this kid is beating on you and he's controlling you and you're mental and you're quite possibly thinking, man, I don't want to bring another child into this world to deal with this nonsense because she has a total of eight. And your only uh, defense or retort is uh, you got family members and, and abortion rates. Uh, no, that's a no for me. This law needs to pass and it needs to pass right now. Because like I said, no one's thinking about the kids. No one's thinking about the kids that are getting married, male or female. No one's thinking about the kids, these offsprings that they're producing, that, that has to see this, that literally has to grow with their parents. And a lot of you are going to say, well, that happens all the time. Yeah, it does. But legally. You're allow, allowing the marriage between two kids and it, it doesn't end well because they haven't matured. Their minds aren't there. Their bodies may be, but their minds haven't matured. Like I said, she got married at 15. He was 17. So now North Carolina, they said that, that lawmaker that was saying that he he didn't uh, he has family members that were married or whatever. He was saying quite possibly we could just line the law up with the state statutory uh, rape law, which was four years. They're older or four years. There's whatever the case may be. Now you you want to include statutory rape laws. You just totally just want to disregard because North Carolina statutory rape, I guess if you're a certain amount of years over, the person that you're accused of or under is not really considered statutory rape. You have to be four or five years over older than that person. So you want to line it up with that. That's a far reach. That's nonsense. That's just ignorance, in my opinion. That's just nonsense all the way across the board. To think you have all of these examples and she's backing it up because she has the door- court documentations or journals or whatever. She's backing it up. You have all of these instances where these marriages are just flat out no good for any and all involved. Shotgun wedding or no shotgun wedding or doing what's reasonable and responsible or not. These marriages aren't good. They just aren't. So pass the law. Stop a around it. Pass it. Well, that's all for me today, and I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature. Well, you can leave a voice response, and I would love to hear your voice. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, Verbal, and... WordPress. Hope everyone enjoys their Sunday. As always, this is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Fault. Amen.